With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey everybody, welcome to Barca Talk. Brian Henderson here. With me as always is my co-host Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from a different brother and fellow Kules. Welcome to episode 61. Brian, I am super pumped, super excited. I haven't been this happy in a while. (laughs) (laughs) Is that why I I felt like you paused a little longer between the first time saying my name and the second. I got a little nervous that you forgot forgot my name. name. But I, I, I haven't forgotten. <laughs> but it's just because you're so I'm, excited. I haven't been this football excited in a long time. You know, like we're rolling, baby. Like, the, what are you so oh excited about? Gosh, what happened? <laughs> so many things. You know, like uh, you know, we weren't able to talk last week um, fully about the Coutinho signing, but that's officially done. We got Mr. Yeri Mina officially signed. The fucking body killer himself, Arthur Turan, left officially. And Real Madrid lost yesterday. I mean, can it get any better right now? Uh, we just need to win. At the end. I don't think it could get. Yeah, no. and, we, and we're recording this first part right now before the game. But if they win the Anoeta, this is like a greatest weekend possibly ever. One of them, you know? Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. Yeah. So I'm I'm sorry that I um I'm sorry that I missed out on half of the show last week because. I mean, going into it, I didn't think it would be that big a deal. I, I thought, eh, you know, it's they're they're playing Levante. You know, it's not such a big deal. I can miss it. I was in New York City, and and then it turned out to be such a good game, really exciting and really fun. And I sort of felt um, I was uh, I was bummed out. I was bummed out that I couldn't chime in on a couple of things. Oh, and then of course Saturday night, I was already on my trip. I didn't have my gear. Coutinho signing goes through, so I couldn't uh, participate in talking about that. So I want to play a little bit of catch up this week. But I just want to give a little shout out to the the two dudes who I was watching that Levante match with at Smithfield Hall in Manhattan. Um, we had Matthew, who was actually visiting from Nashville, and then uh, Sebastian, who let me sit at his table. Very nice guy. And that's a really good spot. So if you're in the New York area, I, I mean, I don't know. It's I know it's not easy to get into the city and go into Manhattan if you're not already there. But it's just right there on 25th Street. It's not terribly inconvenient. It's a really good venue they are very friendly to the supporting clubs they have it sort of segregated yeah they 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 know which game they're going to show where they're very um they're very good at smithfield hall so i could highly recommend going to smithfield hall to watch a barcelona match because the peña is based there you will find other fans other culés there yeah that's really cool so you've already visited the san francisco peña check the new york peña check 
So I think you should just go around and just do like a grassroots campaign here with all the Peñas in the U.S., you know, <laughs> kissing babies, you know, That's shaking right. hands and all that. So I think you should go to like Miami. Does Miami have a Peña? They just got their Peña like officially recognized. I, I don't know. I really want to go to Charlotte. Oh, that'd be good. You know, I think you should just go around, you know, Barca Talk 2018, you know, four more years. Yeah, the, the tour. Yeah, four more years. <laughs> No, it was really fun. Uh, and, you know, normally I just watch the games here at home by myself. And that's how I can give each match such incisive analysis, like, you know, like I normally do. Um, but, of course, when you're out and you're just watching with other people, you, I, I don't even watch half as much of the game as I do when I'm at home. So you just because there's so much more stimulus around. Right. Yeah. And I also forgot to tell you another thing I'm very excited for was on Wednesday I upgraded my internet slash television package to the football total package so now i'm going to be able to watch all the games in vivo in directo at home so now i don't have to go to the bar if i don't have to and i have a perfect connection either online or through the tv so that's another reason why i'm super excited Man, we just have so much to be excited about this week. So let's break down what's going to happen on today's show. Um, We have, of course, more transfer news because the transfer window is still open. I want to touch base on Coutinho since I couldn't be in on that last week. We do have updates on Barca B and Femini, as usual. We have a review of the Celta, Copa del Rey match, and Sociedad in La Liga. And, of course, we have a preview of the Betis match next week. So first thing, transfer news. Yeti Mina was officially signed. He's arrived in Barcelona from Palmeiras, and uh, the the final number on that was 11.8 million euro. And um, I know Joe from the SF Pena is happy about that. When we were talking back in December, he was saying how important it was to him that we get Yeti Mina over here. So, done. Congratulations, uh, Joe Dixon. Maybe you're happier now. And so I was thinking, how would we compare... Yerimina with Marlon Santos, the center back we got last year, and then sent out on loan to Nice this year. So Mina is 23, Santos is 22. Now here's really where it takes off. Mina is six, like 6'4", six and Santos is 5'11". Um, Mina's height, of course, is his huge advantage. He's now the tallest player on the team, and I don't know, for all I know, maybe in Spain. He's beating out PK by like one centimeter, but... You know, he is a bit of a goal scorer, and I think that probably has something to do with his height and speed. And now he's so we have another young, incredible looking player to bolster the central defense. Yeah, just like Joe, I'm super excited for this signing. Um, you know, again, with the Coutinho thing and Minha getting them right now, they can slowly be integrated into the team, right? They don't have this pressure to automatically start and to perform, right? So, Obviously, Coutinho's out right now for a little bit, so he can't play. But also, Mina, Mina can also get into the squad, play a couple Copa games, you know, come as a reserve, get his feet wet a little bit, you know, learn a little bit about the tactics, about Barca, and we can use him, you know, sparingly. And if we have an injury, we can plug him in if we need to. But again, I'm really excited for the potential that he has, especially how physical he is. I watched more highlights. You know, obviously the highlights are always going to show the goals from him. Again, like you said, his his height is definite uh, definite advantage. Again, he's a physical player, and if he pans out to be, you know, let's say a, a you know above average defender, we have him and Titi as the future center backs pairing. That's that's pretty amazing with that speed, the way they can play with the feet. The future is bright, my friend. The future is bright. Yeah, I mean, if if, if Yeti Mina stays on for you know long long period of time, and so does Umtiti, then 
I think that we basically have one of the strongest central defenses in Spain, easily. Maybe Europe. And also for the price. You know, that's the other thing. For 11.8, you know, I was I was looking at other transfers from, you know, from the EPL, of course. And I saw, like, you know, a second-tier team trying to transfer for a center back, and they paid something for 30 million pounds, who's not even the same quality as Mina. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's a really advantage advantageous for us is that we do a lot of scouting in Brazil. So we're able to get these players at a cheaper rate, and we know that they're going to perform because they've been playing at a high level for a while. You know, There's a lot of tape on Mina. We can scout. And these EPL teams aren't really doing that. So we can kind of get a, a leg up on those up-and-coming type of players. You know, we've always had a, a good pipeline with Brazilian players and in the Brazilian league as well. And I know Mina is Colombian, but he's just going to, you know, I'm really excited about this sign. Like I said, center backs are really hard to find. If he pans out, it's awesome. Yeah, and apparently he's the first Colombian to play at Barcelona in a very, very long time. And before that, it was, I forget his name, but he played just friendlies, I think. He, didn't, he never even played competitively. So this is a, a first for a Colombian on Barcelona. Yeah, that's really exciting. Again, it's just, you know, th- I was watching the press conference while I was working a little bit yesterday, and he's just super excited, super motivated to come here. And I think he's going to fit in perfectly with the team with his kind of good attitude. He's, got, he's almost got like the Danny Alves attitude, you know, like that very kind of happy-go-lucky type of attitude that I think really benefits our team. He's, I think he's going to fit perfectly, and I think – the future's bright, and I'm really excited for our defensive pairing going forward. Yeah, I can't wait to see him play. Now, um, on the other hand, uh, and this isn't confirmed yet, but it looks like it's probably going to be happening very soon, maybe. Um, it looks as though Mascherano is going to be transferred away from Barcelona, and the rumor is that uh, Hebe China Fortune is uh, going to be picking him up. And we discussed this a couple episodes ago, and I've been hearing it's you know most likely going to go through, but nothing's been officially announced. So, wh- what can we say about you know Mascherano's imminent departure? Yeah, again, nothing is official, but you know um, Val Green playing him and starting him in the last couple games, especially at the Camp Nou, kind of just shows like it's kind of a last farewell tour for him kind of a thing for the fans to see in the last time. You know, I wish he would stay till the end of this season just because we don't know with injuries. And I think he could still be a vital piece if, you know, let's say Busquets gets injured or if we need some help in the center back uh, position, he could definitely fill in that gap. So I, I, I would hope, you know, personally, I, I wish that he would stay till the end of the season and then make the transfer official in the summertime. But I get it. If he wants to go and he wants to play, especially because it's a World Cup cycle, that's the other thing, you know. He could still, I think he's still, you know, a big player in the Argentina national team. So, um, you know, he definitely wants to play some more. And that's probably one of the reasons why he wants to go now than later. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, again, he said even earlier this season that he's, you know, that this was probably going to be his last. Maybe we were, uh, again, we were anticipating that maybe he would finish out the season but uh, you know we, we've picked up these players we've picked up Yeti Mina now uh, Umtiti's coming back from injury and of course you know assuming that uh, Umtiti's not going to get injured or we're not going to have any major injuries in central defense or defensive midfield um, yeah maybe Mascherano is it's just time time to let him go and uh, but again he's been 
he's been great. I don't maybe you know maybe next week or the week after that once something like this is official, maybe we'll we'll do a full on feature. I don't want to get too uh, teary eyed about it just yet. There's plenty of time for that in the future. One of the things we can't forget is that you know he's one of the main English translators on the team. You know, as we saw on the Victor Valdez video. So that's going to leave PK as like one of the only English translators. So you know, Mascherano will be missed. No, just kidding. He will be missed. I, you know, like we talked about in the last episode, he's the bulldog. He was a true uh, team player, soldier, especially during the Pep era. So you know, it'll be sad to see him go. But as football goes, new players go, old players go. You know, just it's a revolving door of players. Yeah. Now the uh, the other news. Speaking of center backs, again, uh, Monsieur Umtiti has been training with the squad. Uh, so hopefully he's going to be returning soon. You know, the reports that I had seen uh, was were projecting he'd be available again around early February. But it looks like. Maybe he could be back sooner. He's already training with the squad. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, they're probably just going to ease him in too, right? Like he's just getting back into the rhythm of practice and just being with the team. Like I saw the picture today on Twitter where he was already training with the team. Not today, yesterday. And so that that's definitely good news, you know. But especially with uh, Mina arriving, Vermalen playing good, we don't have to rush him immediately, you know. So that's really good news. But again, he's super vital for our Champions League run because he's our best defender, bar none. He's our best defender. Oh, yeah. But again, yeah, exactly. But again, Monsieur MTT, like, just, you know, come back when you're 100% or close to it. We don't need you right away. With our lead in La Liga, he can take his time coming back to the team. Yeah, and I mean, it wasn't a terrible injury, and he wasn't out that long. So I I don't anticipate that him getting back into the full swing of things will take terribly long, maybe just a couple of matches. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he's young, and with muscle injuries, everyone's different, right? So it just depends on how fast your muscles heal. Again, maybe he's just a super Frenchman, you know, <laughs> eating all those. <laughs> and his muscles and his muscles heal a little faster than other people. So, But it's good news that he's already training, and it's going to be even better when he's going to be uh, 100%. Because, again, you know, we survived this first half with injuries, with – you know, the games with our squad kind of being depleted and we were able to do that. And now it's almost like we have this, I feel like we just added like 10 new players. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's super exciting. I just, it's it's crazy, like our depth now. Yeah. What's funny is all it takes is a couple of players and suddenly the depth just changes dramatically. Exactly. And, you know, that's the one thing that really helps us is the window during Christmas in La Liga. Because since there's no games in that in that window, the players can kind of rest up and it kind of gives it a nice push for the second half as compared to the EPL. Like those teams played like three games in like 10 days or something like that during the Christmas break. It's crazy how they do that. They do that. You know, it's a tradition with boxing day and all that. But again, I prefer La Liga the way they do it because it, you know, it gives everyone a break, the fans, the teams, you know, they get this nice little break. And again, with Barcelona not playing those games, Untiti just gets those free weeks to recover, you know? And so, like I said, like with this transfer window where we added these players and Dembele coming back, it's like, man, I feel I feel like we just added 10 players. Yeah, we're looking incredible. Okay, so last week you had the chance to, uh, I mean, you didn't break the news, but, you know, you had your commentary on it. And um, so we covered it last week, but since it happened while I was vacationing, I just want to revisit Coutinho's arrival because that's already adding more depth to the squad. And um, so a couple of things. So we picked up Coutinho. 
I heard that, uh, or I read that Liverpool is offering a 50-pound voucher to anyone who purchased a Coutinho jersey. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty unprecedented for a club to do that, you know. Um, I, I think what the voucher was for a Coutinho jersey that was bought for this season, right? Um, but again, man, I'm super excited for this signing because it just provides that more depth in the midfield. It gives Iniesta rest. Coutinho can now ease into the team. He has like a free six-month period to get into the team, you know, especially since he's not playing in Champions League. He was able to watch the game against Celta, you know, like it just, I think it's kind of the best of both worlds. I know he's not playing in Champions like we noted, but Iniesta is going to be super fresh, super ready, and he's going to be like Don Iniesta that we know. And man, I... I, I can't wait for Champions League. I was talking about that last week with other guys uh, in New York about how, yes, it's unfortunate that Coutinho can't play in Champions, but he can give other players a break. If you know He can play in Copa, he can play in La Liga, give other players a break so that they're fresh for Champions League matches. So that's going to work out fine no matter what. Now, okay, I want to bring just like a little bit of a storm cloud over this. He uh, he signed a five-and-a-half-year deal, so I imagine he's, he's obviously going to finish out this year. He'll probably do, you know, a full season next year. Do you think he's going to really stay for the duration of the contract? It's a five and a half year deal. Do you think he's really going to stay for the full five and a half years or close to it? Cause I don't know. I'm still feeling a little bit burned from Neymar leaving. I think it's different. I think they're totally different players. I think Neymar was looking to be the Ballon d'Or winner all the time. I think that's a really one of his main targets. And I think he wanted to be the man at a club, you know? And so I think he was always looking to move on from Barcelona. Whereas I think Coutinho, you know, from everything I read, of course, you know, I'm a body language expert. So just from seeing, you know, how he's reacting, I definitely think he's going to stay the whole time. I think Barcelona is a destination for him. I think he's going to be super happy with the situation, especially like when I was reading the reports, um, how Luis Suarez bought a house for him. I don't know if you saw this. No. Did you see this? I did not see this. No. So Luis Suarez basically, (laughs) did you hear about this? I don't know. (laughs) So Luis, so basically Luis Suarez bought a house for Coutinho and his family next to him and Messi because the house went up for sale. <laughs> and no is that crazy or what? So these players are already making these back, you know, backroom deals already. Basically this happened in November oh, wow. or October, something like yeah, something like this. And so Luis Suarez bought this house and you know, I already was watching Coutinho training in the sand pit the other day like they Barcelona shot that video. Yeah. How can you not be super excited? Like, he's a Brazilian, and he's already, like, in Barcelona, which is pretty close to being, like, Brazil type of climate and atmosphere. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. and over here, he's training in sand. Like, that doesn't happen at Liverpool. Right. You know what I'm saying? You know? (laughs) And I think... I think he's going to be super excited to be playing on this team, trying to win trophies, and, I mean, the sky's the limit. Like, I was talking to a friend of mine, Curtis... And Curtis kind of brought the same point that you said. Like, is he going to stay? And we were kind of discussing about this. And I just told him, look, man, I think Barcelona for Coutinho is his ultimate dream and destination as a football team. So I don't think he's going to leave. Okay, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and comparative... Comparatively, between Barcelona and Liverpool, Barcelona has the sand pit. I assume Liverpool has a mud pit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but you know, you know, you know what's crazy is like more and more now in professional sports, players are making deals before the front offices are. You know, so for example, Brian, I'm a I'm a Golden State Warriors fan, and we got Kevin Durant a couple of years ago, and how that all happened from the beginning was 
one of the players from the Warriors contacted Kevin Durant and asked him if he was interested in joining. And so this is kind of the same situation where Luis Suarez had been talking to him since August, you know, about really trying to come to Barcelona. And when Luis Suarez bought the house for him, so basically in that neighborhood now is Messi, Coutinho, and Suarez. Like, <laughs> That's so funny. On. And also, wasn't wasn't it the same kind of deal with, with Paulinho? Exactly. So these players now have more control of their, you know, of their kind of football careers. And I think Coutinho was always trying to come to Barcelona. And again, when we saw all the transfer details of how he had to give up some money to come, you don't do that unless you're really serious about staying here long term. Yeah. And he's at the perfect age where he's going to stay five years. And again, like... Compare like if you're a Brazilian and you come to Barcelona, like it's a perfect seamless you know fit. Plus he's got Paulinho there now, he's got friends in Luis Suarez. It's it it can't be better better drawn up for him, you know. Yeah. So if he needs to borrow you know a cup of sugar, he's got Suarez, he's got Messi just two doors down. Exactly. <laughs> hey, go get us some sugar from Messi. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Like their kids are just like going to be friends and they're just like, hey, go. Tio Messi, you know, oh, it's like, it's crazy. That yeah. is crazy. Well. F those kids. <laughs> okay, so you, you have, you have, you've put my mind at ease a little bit more. I think you make a lot of good points. So looking forward to not only see Coutinho start playing for right now in the short term, but also to see him continue to play and develop as, to, as a Barcelona player long term. Again, I think it just comes to personality. Like Neymar, I don't know if you saw over the weekend what he did, where he put the shoe on his head. Uh, didn't After he see scored that. a goal, like more and more, I'm really starting to get detached from Neymar because he's so much into marketing himself and all these things. He scores a goal, puts a shoe on his head like a seal, you know, like a seal with a ball, <laughs> so that he can right. perfectly, so he can perfectly show the Nike logo swoosh on his boot. You know right. what I'm saying? Coutinho is not this type of player. Like everything I've seen, read, heard, you know, kind of thing. It's like Coutinho's a harder working player. He's a midfielder. And he's more team-oriented, and I think that's why he's going to stay. So, Brian, ease your mind. I, I'm pretty sure he's going to stay for five years. Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you for th- – thanks for <laughs> – you know, just like you always do, I get nervous about something, and you talk me down. It's fan- It's a good relationship we have going on here. I'm like your Barcelona life coach. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> All right, and our last bit of news, uh, Artaturan has been loaned out to – Basak Sehir for the remainder of the season and two more. So that two and a half year loan deal effectively runs out the remainder of Turan's contract with Barcelona. And I assume that once the loan is up, Barcelona will simply not renew his contract and then he'll be free to do whatever he wants after that. Although they do still have control of his contract until the end of the loan. I mean, this is probably the best news of the window, right? That we were able to get finally get rid of Turan, right? With his wage and just a player that ultimately could not fit into Val Green's plans and really hasn't done anything since he came to Barcelona. You know, he should have really stayed at Atletico. I think he fit well into Simeone's plans, but obviously, you know, can't fault him for taking the chance to come to Barcelona, but um, ultimately he just didn't perform and just didn't live up to his potential could have been. And yeah, he's going back to Turkey and really great job on the board to find someone to take him for this amount of money. I know, seriously. And, you know, when he first came over, I, I was thinking, oh, that's actually a pretty good buy. He looks really good at Atletico. And then he just I mean, he had some good performances early on. But uh, ever since Val Green came in, he just does not seem to be at all interested in using him. So it's good to unload any player who 
you know, even when they're healthy, your your manager doesn't want to use. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, but when he first came, I just I had mixed feelings for about it because I just didn't know where he was going to play. You know, and that to me, like where was he going to play midfield? He played a little bit of attacking in the four, three, three, but again, he just wasn't super fast. He wasn't super talented where we could find a place for him. And at times he was like the Iniesta sub for a little bit, but again, he doesn't have, you know, an eighth of the skill of Iniesta. So I'm glad to see him go. I'm, I'm glad to see that the board were able to find a team to take him, take him off our hands. Yeah. And now I can't actually figure out who is going to be paying Tehran's wages. I assume it's Basak Sahir. Um, but they will also pay Barca in variables depending upon appearances, goals, you know, those kinds of performance metric sorts of things. You know, they're not paying a fee to Barca to get the loan or anything. So it's a, it's actually a pretty square deal, I guess. Yeah, it sounds like it. And also, you know, Tehran's going to get a lot of playing time. And he is a good player, and especially he'll probably shine in the Turkish league. And, you know, again, he's just trying to get some more playing time. And, you know, he wore out his welcome in Barcelona, as, you know, I've noticed on Twitter and everything that all Kules were, you know, were fed up with him and they wanted him to move on. Yeah, I don't think there's a single Kule out there. Well, maybe a single one. Who knows? <laughs> if if there's any Kule listening who's really feeling like, no, Arda. Don't go. Please let us know. <laughs> yeah, and also if you need to dispose of a body, he's available. He's, he's your, your man. man. Yeah, he's got the gloves. He's got the jacket. But I mean, again, ultimately, it's it's good for him. It's good for us. It's it's really good for everybody because he doesn't want to just be sitting on the bench or not even sitting on the bench. He doesn't want to be sitting at home or in the stands during every game. He wants to get out and play. You know, he's a footballer and we want to have players who Val Green is going to play. Exactly. And, you know, this basically concludes basically one of the best transfer windows this board has ever had to get rid of Turan, get Coutinho, Mina. Man, this has just been a Hall of Fame uh, transfer market for them. And even though you know we got Coutinho Mina at such a high price, but to get rid of Turan, they got all the targets. And again, it just gives our teams needed depth and a lot of attacking potential. Yeah, and to hand it off to the board again, you know, at the beginning over the transfer window last summer, uh, and then during this first half of the season, they did reorganize themselves and. Uh, I guess uh, the changes they made in the front office have reflected really good uh, outcomes in this transfer window. Yeah, good point. You know, and and maybe that's what they needed to shake up a little bit um, the members and maybe the structure. And more importantly, they were able to get the targets and everyone seems to be happy with what they've been able to do this winter market. Now, we do have one item in our community segment. We got a we got a message from Marcin on Facebook this week. Uh, and he just had a question about it was actually very like long and detailed i'll just paraphrase he just had a question about how we pronounce the actual surname of mr personality number 21 vanilla sky we've never looked it up actually so sometimes we say gomez and sometimes we say gomes and it started to cause some confusion for marcin at least he let us know so i assume that it's causing confusion for some other folks so I just wanted to address that. I looked it up. And, you know, even Ray Hudson had a question about this that he posted on Twitter at one point. And uh, luckily there is TransferMarket.com because on some players' profiles on that website, there's a recording of a player's name being spoken and pronounced. So with Vanilla Sky, there's clearly a native Portuguese speaker uh, giving us the pronunciation. And so apparently it should be pronounced Gomsh. So we'll do our best to stick to Gomsh, but uh, we might just fall into 
Gomes and uh, other things like that. But those are not nicknames. We're just trying to actually pronounce his name. Your Portuguese is on point, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's pronounced Gomes, right? Like, that's how it's pronounced. But, you know, we try... Like, when I see it, I I automatically says Gomez, right? Because that's just, like, the Spanish style. But I'm just going to stick to Vanilla Sky. Uh, You know, until he does something miraculous for me, then I'll start calling him Gomes. So after thinking about this last week when we were talking about the transfers and if Andres Gomes stays or not, uh, I actually hope he does leave because I just want Dennis Suarez to get more playing time uh, for the team, especially now that we have a stronger midfield. I want Dennis Dennis Suarez to to develop more, and I – you know, I kind of want to see Andres Gomes leave. Yeah, and uh, I mean, there's such different kinds of players, right? I mean, Denny Suarez uh, can dribble. He can pass really well. He's good on the ball. Um, but he's not as tall or strong as Gomes. So depending upon what you're looking for. But like you said, we've added some strength. We've added some height uh, into the midfield. So now that might actually create the opportunity for Denny Suarez to get more time on the pitch. And it seems like Val Green is always choosing between those two. So uh, I would agree that, like, personally, my own preferences would be to, like, allow Gomes to go to another club where he's going to play even more. He's going to be more important at some other club. Let him get more playing time. And that allows Denny Suarez to get more playing time for us. Exactly. Because, you know, Denny Suarez is young. He has a lot of potential. He can he could be a future starting midfielder for Barcelona in the years to come. So I think this is important. And I would rather see Andres Gomes leave just because of also his salary too he's an expensive uh, wage player as well and you know he he probably wants to play more especially again it's all about the world cup this summer these players want to get more playing time so they get selected for their national team and i think the rumors i've seen he wants to leave and get more of that playing time all right well thanks marachin hope that helped out one of our favorite things about doing this podcast is getting you the listeners involved with it if there's something about FC Barcelona you want us to talk about, let us know by going to barzatalk.net and find the contact page or use any of our social media channels. And if you like what we're doing here, consider sending some money our way. We don't do special episodes just for patrons or anything like that. Everything we make is free to listen to. But if you do feel like you want to help out the show, go to barzatalk.net and click on the support tab at the top of the page. Thanks. Now, next up, let's talk about Barca B. Uh, they're not, it's not, it's not going well. It's not going well for Barca B in the second division. They lost one nothing to Valladolid in the Mini Estadi on Saturday. Judging just from the highlights, which is, of course, all I can see, it looked like Barca actually were dominating the ball and the match, had lots of good chances. Arnais was playing in this match. Again, he was looking very good. They just uh, couldn't convert their chances into goals. Valladolid uh, got the one goal on a nice floating cross and headed shot. It was a very good play, and you know nothing against them. But Barca B is now edging into the very bottom of the table, 19th place out of 22. They only have 21 points, so that's that's what's going on with Barca B in the in the past. Um, in the future on the 21st of January, they're going to be going to the Canary Islands to play Tenerife. And, you know, I was just looking at the Canaries on a map, and I had forgotten, or maybe I never knew, just how far away from mainland Spain 
the Canary Islands are. It's like Spanish Morocco. Yeah, I mean, it's Africa, right? I mean, it's like – that's why like everyone goes there during December and so forth because the weather is always great there and the beaches are spectacular and it's cheap. I would like to go down there because I've had friends tell me that it's an amazing area to go check out. So, uh, But yeah, when you look on the map, you kind of forget – where it's located but yeah it's 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 pretty much africa and it's like close to the equator it's like right on the equator almost yeah well so back to barca b you know we've been talking all season long about how like all we can all we really hope for from them is that they can stay in the second division and uh, you know they just need to get a win here a draw there well mostly draws which is what they've been doing they've drawn more than anything so far this season but uh with this loss and i mean we're only about halfway through the season of course what do you think? What do you? What, how would you put their odds at this point of them actually staying in the second division for next year? Well, I'm the eternal optimist, so I think they will stay up. And I also think that, especially when the weather gets better as well, I think they'll be able to have more scoring chances, and I think their possession game will dominate a little bit more. I think right now, you know, especially here in Madrid, like with the weather, um, it's been more rainy, cold, and it doesn't suit Barcelona's Barca's B style, you know, um, they've had to really weather the storm with their defense, which is not that great. I mean, it's it's okay, but it's not this, you know, what they can really hang their hat on. But I am the eternal optimist. I think they will stay up, and I think, especially when the weather gets better, especially with more, they just need to win a couple times at home, which I think is very, you know, possible and attainable. So I think they will stay up. I think, but but barely. You know, maybe like the fourth to last team, you <laughs> right. know, barely hanging on to, you know what I'm saying? But I, you know, I think just with the weather changing and, you know, Barca B has great talent on the team, you know, it's just a matter of putting it together for a couple victories. And, you know, I think they'll stay up. But like I said, like the fourth to last place team, you know, right. They'll be the last team to not be relegated. Exactly. Exactly. And like you said, you know, so often. They, these guys are boys playing against men in the second division. Exactly, and, and, and you know, like we t- like when I was looking at the highlights from the the match from last week, you know, these against Saragossa, I think it was if I remember correctly. Um, you know, these guys they're just getting these goals through set plays. You know, and you know, I wasn't able to, I didn't get a chance to watch the the highlights of this match, but if they dominated the play and they were able to convert chances, you know. It, down the line, they they will be able to convert, hopefully, and then that'll be enough to keep them up in Segundo B. And now let's talk about FCB Femini. So the first bit of news is that they are also in a transfer window, and uh, they just picked up Pearl Maroni. I hope I'm saying that even close to correctly. She's a 20-year-old French left back. She just joined the team on loan from PSG for the remainder of the season. And uh, I did a little bit of research on her. She she won the under nineteen European Championship with France in twenty sixteen, and so she's young, but she's got some skills and experience. She did face Barcelona in twenty fifteen sixteen Champions League in the quarterfinals, and actually PSG eliminated Barcelona in that round. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's they're able to pick up a left back to bolster a little bit of their defense. Again, FCB Feminine is striving for obviously the league, but also they want to go further in the Champions League. And picking up a player like this with this type of experience and potential is a really good get for the Feminine. Yeah, and of course I wonder if Moroni is going to be able to play in the um, Women's Champions League because I assume that she's already made appearances with PSG in that tournament so maybe not but it could again it could still be a sort of a Coutinho kind of situation where she can at least you know provide some 
some relief for uh, our existing left back or left backs in preparation for Champions League. Yeah, good point. And also she's 20, right? So she has all this potential and they were able to get her at a good price, just like with the men's team, right? Like if you get someone at a good price that's young with super potential, you grab it and hopefully she'll be able to contribute and be a member of the Femini for a long time. Yeah, and the club says uh, in their sort of press release, they said that she is speedy and we know that the women play similar to the men, so she might actually be helping to create some goals, which could be uh, good. I mean, we're already the best defense in Liga Femenina, having conceded only five goals. So I'm not, and also I'm not sure if PSG is really looking to offload her in the long run, or if this is just uh, to get her more experience. I mean, she's been a one club player for PSG for some years. Yeah, this is interesting from PSG's point of view. You know, what is their goal like? Do they really just, you know, they gave her to a rival team because this is a team they could potentially face in Champions League. And like you mentioned before, maybe she's not eligible for a Champions League. But, you know, who knows what's going to happen in the future. And also, if she gets the playing time and she wants to stay at Barcelona, then Barcelona probably does have the option to buy her outright. Yeah. So we'll see, uh, see how she performs for the, for the women. Now, the match that the women had, uh, they beat Zaragoza 2-0 at home with goals from Vicky Lozada and Andresa Alves. And, you know, Zaragoza, they're in last place in the Liga Femenina. The first goal by Lozada was a um, second, maybe third ball even. After a couple of blocked attempts, it finally fell to her just outside the box with plenty of time and space. And she just picked her shot and she just caressed it into the top corner. And it turns out that for this weekend, this became kind of a theme because a couple of the goals in the Sociedad match were of that style. They just sort of floated into the top corner. It was beautiful. And then the second goal by Alves, that came from a really sweet cross in from Gemma. But, you know, also in this match were a ton of chances either taken or created by Lika Martins. You know, she is just, she blows my mind every time I see her on the uh, on the highlights of the matches. She started the match off playing left wing, which is her normal position. That's where she normally plays. But then later on, switched to right wing, and she looked just as lethal on the right as she does on the left. Both positions, she's a serious threat. And uh, Zaragoza were actually, I think, quite good defensively in this match. Uh, The highlight reels are mostly a lot of chances, a lot of attempts by Barcelona that Zaragoza do manage to break up or save. So they held off a really relentless attack from Barcelona and all their scoring attempts. So I got to hand it to Zaragoza on that, keeping them at 2 nothing. while maybe, I don't know, maybe it's bittersweet a little bit. I think that was an accomplishment in itself for them. Yeah, I mean, from the highlights, they were, Zaragoza was on constant barrage, right? I mean, Barcelona, which is bombing them, you know, from the highlights, they just kept coming at them, coming at them, coming at them, and Zaragoza was able to hold their own. So, yeah, I would think that's, you know, a bittersweet little, you know, defeat in just only losing 2 nothing because that match could easily have been... 7 nothing, 6 nothing, something like that if their finishing was a little bit more clinical. But again, uh, the most important thing is that Barcelona keeps winning, the Femini keep winning. They keep mounting uh, pressure on Atletico and again, it's just going to, you know, it's just going to come down to that pivotal match against Atletico. And yeah, but your comment about Lika Martins, she's super impressive playing on the left one side and on the right side and being just as good on both. You know, that's a really uh, hard skill to have as a footballer, especially at this elite level, because once you're a left back or left, you know, you play on the left side, you're just used to playing that. You know, you the moves you develop are for that side. And then to be able to switch the right and be as serious a scoring threat for both sides, super impressive. I mean, she's she's a really joy to watch. Yeah. 
Now, the next match they have is against Albacete uh, on January 28th, so that's Saturday after next, at the Ciudad Deportiva Andres Iniesta. So in Albacete, that's a, a club that Iniesta is uh, you know, involved with. Uh, now, Albacete are another low-table team, but uh, who knows? Their home field advantage might help them to get an upset of some some sort. Yeah, exactly. I think the women actually have a, a bit of an international break this week, and so I think that's why the game is until the 28th, because I saw, I think, on Instagram that Tony Dugans was headed to London for a match. So that's why there's a bit of a break. But yeah, like you said, you know, again, a low-table team, the Feminists should win, and they better win, right? Because they just got to keep race, they got to keep pace up with uh, Atletico. Yeah, I mean, looking at the whole league, you know, they're still neck and neck with Atletico, tied on points, they had a head-to-head draw, but Barcelona do have a better goal difference, so they're holding on to the top spot, I guess, because once you are tied on points, and once you're tied at head-to-head, then it would go to goal difference but you know we say this we say this every single week you just said it a minute ago we're gonna have to keep saying it until one of these teams drops points against a third party but the league is absolutely going to come down to the next matchup between barcelona and Atletico. exactly and you never know with you know like we we saw the match day with sociedad that's why we play sports right because you never know what's going to happen obviously if you just look at on paper barcelona and atletico should win every match leading up to that huge matchup but again, you never know if in Albacete something happens, a ball here, a ball there. So the feminine just have to keep chugging along, keep concentrating, keep mounting goals and playing the defense that they're playing, and they should get the points. All right, so let's review La Liga as it stands. So first, first order of business, first bit of news, I should say. Real Madrid lost to Villarreal on Saturday, one nothing. Real are stuck at 32 points. This was amazing because, like we were talking earlier, I was at the gym while this game was going on. And at my gym, they play Real Madrid TV. But since they don't have the high, the rights to play the game, they have to show just like Zidane the whole match. And it's it's nuts. It's like – and they, they commentate during the game, but they only show Zidane. And, you know, I was at the gym. Villarreal scores this absolute golazo that we're going to talk about in a second. But I received all these what's up from my friends. And so I had to go – I ran – not ran, but I rushed to the Real Madrid TV screen to see Zidane's reaction. And he just looked – perplexed (laughs) lost i don't know you know dead in his eyes i don't know but man um you know i have here in the notes you know i've been you know i love watching the sports shows here in madrid they're just you know i posted something on our facebook page of uh, messi's highlights from celta the way they package with the music and the behind the scenes kind of stuff i really love but man zidane is seriously under a lot of pressure here in madrid like it's a really weird thing because they won the back-to-back champions league but I think he has put all his money on Ronaldo, Benzema, and Bale. And I think it's – obviously it's not working. And yeah, yesterday's game here in Madrid was really cold here in Madrid, rainy. It wasn't cold enough for snow, but it was almost like that half hail snow type of weather. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I don't know if you saw the highlights, Brian, but that pitch yesterday looked awful. Like – I hate, as a player, I hated playing in those type of games where it's really, really cold. You don't want to head the ball. You just want to go home, you know? And and Madrid just didn't look like into it. What can you say about that goal? Did you see that goal? Oh, yeah. I, mean, I was watching the game when it happened. And um, Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I was more preoccupied by the the question of whether the, like, the first ball in was if the player was offside. Um, and, like, maybe he was, but he wasn't called offside, so, you know. The, the play is good. 
but that chip, that second chip on, or but that chip on the second ball to get it over Navas, that was beautiful. First of all, the counter attack—you cannot draw a counter attack better than what Villarreal did on that corner kick. I mean, Real Madrid was searching for the goal, so they put everyone in the box. I mean, you watch that highlight; everyone's in the box. Villarreal gets it. They do this perfect head pass, long ball to Cherisev. Cherisev takes it down the flank. Has that perfect curved, you know, like Sergio Roberto's done a couple times this season where he leads the, the the attacking player. The attacking player takes the shot. Navas makes the save, but Navas is so out in the front of the box. And the second player, Pablo Fornals, makes his amazing, as they say here in Spanish, cuchara, which is spoon, shot right <laughs> over, right over Navas perfectly, right? And, you know, Brian, I... Love these Cuchara goals because as a player, I never had the balls to try to do it because I was always trying to try to just to score the goal, you know. And whenever I see it and it works, it's like my favorite goal. And when I saw this highlight, I was just flipping out. This was it was like a perfect little like if anyone plays golf, it's like a perfect sandwich that went right over Navas and right into the goal. And then all the Real Madrid players were crying. I mean, it was great. I mean, that's our favorite thing to see. <laughs> exactly. And that's the thing is that I just love Ronaldo's reaction because he whines, he cries, you know, and it's just, oh, my God, it's it's beauty. It's perfection for me. So, again, Villarreal got a, got three more points. Real Madrid got none, leaving them there just stalled at 32 points. And, you know, like at this point, they're almost the same distance from Barcelona as they are from relegation, which is incredible. Exactly. And, and that's the other thing, right? Like they – they're in definite trouble. Like if these, if they can't put these wins together in La Liga and they lose to PSG, they could be out of Champions League, like we talked about before. And that would, for me, would be the greatest 2018 gift for me. Because can you imagine if Real Madrid doesn't qualify for Champions League next unreal. year? That would be unreal. That's that's ins- that would be yeah. insane, right? I mean, heads would roll. I mean, heads oh, would absolutely. roll. And I'm surprised that uh, you haven't been seeing the uh, the white handkerchiefs in the Bernabeu uh, already. Well, like yesterday, I was watching the the sports show. And more and more fans are really turning on Zidane just because he's not changing the tactics, the team. He's not doing anything. Like all these games that they put together with the same lineup, they're getting these really bad results and he's not shaking it up. And that's that's a big problem for these Madrilistas. I work with a a teacher of mine who's a super Madrilista. He has season tickets and everything. And I I always just pepper him every time. I'm just like, eh, Zizu. And he just goes, oh, fatal. You know, just like really bad, you know. And I'm just like, "Eh." (laughs) Well, it's kind of similar to what we were seeing with uh, Luis Enrique last year. You know, it seemed like he had just run out of ideas. He wasn't really changing things up much. Uh, Well, actually, Enrique had a lot of really bizarre lineups. And no one could make any real sense out of them. But... I don't know. It was still a similar kind of thing. He was just counting on Louis on uh, Suarez, Neymar, and Messi to just handle everything, and it didn't seem like he was doing the tactical work of a manager. Exactly. I mean, this is again. I just you know when we put the season review about Paulinho and the board that you did, you know, a couple episodes ago, it's amazing to think that you know in the Supercopa in August. We were looking like the travesty of a team, a downfall of a dynasty, you know? And now, six months now, like, 
we are killing it. And and Real Madrid is going the opposite way. It's it's incredible. It's just it's it's a great feeling to have as yeah, a cooler. Absolutely. Now other matches in La Liga. Um Atletico won one to nothing over Ibar, so no big surprise there. They're uh, in second place, trailing Barcelona with uh, 42 points. Yeah, Atletico just keeps chugging along. You know, they had they didn't have Costa for this match. Obviously, he was suspended because of his celebration <laughs> last time, uh, <laughs> which was amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, but again, this 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 was another you know typical Atletico match. One nothing. Um, this, the goal was scored by Gamero. So again, Griezmann Gamero, the French connection there. They connected on a really nice counter, just typical Atletico match. And again, the weather in Ibar and Basque Country was rainy, cold, almost like Premier League type of conditions. And that type of conditions favor Atletico. So they were able to get the victory. Ibar had some chances, uh, mostly on set plays, but they were unable to convert. Yeah, and then... Valencia, they also won their match. They beat Deportivo 2-1, to one, so they're uh, keeping their place at third in the table. Yeah, and this match was played up in Coruña in Galicia. And again, the same type of weather as the Basque Country. Rainy, cold. You know, it's it's been rainy and cold all over Spain for the past week. And so these type of conditions, you know, you really have to manage them and try to just get the goals on set plays. But I've been really impressed with this player from Valencia, Gonzalo. Now, again, he's Portuguese, so I'm going to try my best with the Portuguese uh, pronunciation here. <laughs> Gonzalo Guedes, right? He's on loan from PSG, but he had a match, and he continues to impress. He had a goal uh, from a long shot. It was a really bad keeper error. The keeper didn't put his body in front, and it kind of just slid under his uh, his his hands. So that that gave him the, um, the one nothing lead for Valencia. The second goal... Another uh, long shot from outside the box. It got deflected, and the goalkeeper had no choice. But really, the Deportivo had a, two opportunities in the last minute to score. You ha- Brian, you have to see this highlight. I'm going to send it to you because it is almost like you just want to wring this guy's neck for missing it. Because <laughs> basically what happened was um, they were on top of the box. This player does a chip pass. Guy runs onto it, and he's literally like f- maybe two meters from goal. And the keeper comes out and he skies it. I mean, uh. not even put it on on the ground. Like skies it like twenty meters into the air. Uh. And the whole, and they just pan to the crowd and the crowd just like hands on their head. <laughs> like what did just what just happened? You know? Why? <laughs> yeah. So that poor player, that poor player was Adrian, and unfortunately, he will not be getting free drinks in Coruña this weekend. No, definitely not. And finally, of course, Barcelona won 4-2 in San Sebastian against a really, really good-looking Real Sociedad. They stayed nine points clear of Atletico and put the first half of La Liga to bed undefeated. So we'll pick up on this in, you know, in more detail in the match review segment. But just first thing, looking at the whole landscape of the league table, have you seen a lead like this in recent years? No, I mean, especially even with the Pep years, you know, we still had... Mourinho's Real Madrid that was still neck and neck with us, you know, because they were still beating the other teams as well. So it's super impressive. Val Green has really taken the helm of this ship and just, I mean, undefeated. That's in, that's incredible, you know, uh, with all the tough matches we've had, the injuries, you know, just all the all, everything, everything surrounding the club this, this last six months and to stay undefeated. is just super impressive. One of my favorite things about this is uh, apparently Tony Cruz of Real Madrid yesterday tweeted 16 points, right? Like to kind of motivate amount to come back and stuff. So today, obviously, after the victory in the Anoeta, people have been retweeting 
or tweeting at him now with 19 points. So that <laughs> that is the most beautiful thing. So 19 points, you know, separates us with Real Madrid. Unbelievable. And also just the the point lead that we have with Atletico and the rest of the La Liga. Just just impressive. You almost have to pat him on the back for having the balls to tweet that, though. Well, no, I get it. You know, like he has nothing to lose. Right. I mean, you know, put those 16 points and if something happens, great. But if it doesn't, then he knows. But I just love, you know, this this is filled by Twitter timeline just now. Like everyone's changing their uh, their Twitter profile photo to 19. So that's just amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, so we have two matches to review this week. The first one was in the Copa del Rey. This was the second leg of the round of 16 with Celta. And it was a just, it, it was nasty. We just killed them. It was 5 nothing to give a 6-1 aggregate overall. Barca's definitely going ahead to the next round in the Copa del Rey. And I mean, where to begin with this match? The first half was, in my opinion, an absolute masterclass. It was incredible. The second half, things cooled off a little bit. They were already four goals up. But that first half was just insane. Yeah, the first half was, again, just magnificent. The best half of the season by far. And does it go down to the players knowing what Val Green's tactics and system are? To the fact that now it's just kind of they can just play, you know. It's almost like we had all these games in the first half of the season to understand what Val Green was trying to do with the four four two, and now the players understand it. They understand their roles, and now they can just play. And you can just see the dominance that we had in the first half. And I know that Celta had more subs than usual, but still, like we came out with a very strong team, and Val Green did not want to mess around with this game at all. Yeah, well, I mean. I really felt like Val Green was not pulling any punches with the lineup uh, as as far as possible. Um, you know, Semedo and Alba in the fullback positions, so you got a lot of speed and a lot of skill there. Of course, PK and Mascherano, they've played together for years. They know how to hold down the central defense. Rakitic, Busquets, Iniesta, and Gomes in the middle. So, I mean, of course, I'm not a huge fan of Gomes, but I, I see, you know, what he can offer. And he has been playing better lately, so there's that. And then, of course, Suarez and Messi up top. So, just like we talked about, the first round, they got a draw in Vigo. You know, not great, but not bad. You, you, can, you, can, t- you can definitely take that home and still do something with it. But after a draw in Copa del Rey, a draw in La Liga, I really felt like there was um, an atmosphere in the, in the dressing room that, like, we're not going to allow a draw this time. We're going to really bring everything we have. Yeah, exactly. And also, you know, Messi from the get-go was on. I mean, like the what? The first third minute, the third minute, he almost had a chance. And from the get-go, you can just tell that he was ready to go. And when he's ready to go and he's on like that, again, we have Messi. You don't. Good luck with that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's actually, honestly, so many notable plays. There were the goals. I mean... In the 10th minute, there was this touch that Suarez made to play Messi through, which was actually surprising and a very good touch and beautiful where he just sort of like touched it back behind him and I think sort of over his head, Messi was just barreling through. I mean, it was really threatening looking. It kind of fell apart, but I was really surprised by that touch from Suarez because, you know, we've <laughs> we've had our... We've had our criticisms of Suarez's touch over the year. Again, I don't know if it's like a combination of Suarez getting healthy, more confident lately by scoring goals, but he's definitely looked way better recently. And I think that just adds to the confidence of the team, you know, because now he's a threat, a a severe threat of scoring. And again, this match, 
everyone was clicking. Everyone. I mean, Alba, what can you say? This season has been his best season in years. He's been playing out of his mind. And the connection he has with Messi, you know, I would say it rivals Leo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet in Titanic. Like that, <laughs> that, that type of connection, instant chemistry. Like, and I know it's been developed for a while, but I mean, let's talk about that first goal. Like that, uh, Messi's vision again, he sees everything, he knows exactly where Alba's going to be. And of course, Alba just puts the ball perfectly for Messi. And Messi, I mean, <sighs> It's just incredible how Messi just continues to score and and yeah I mean it's just <laughs> as a player he the way he's technical with his with his ability to to hit the ball I mean it's just it's just incredible and I know he didn't hit it all the way but he hit it enough and the keeper was out of position and Barca goes up one nothing yeah and the the story of this season I mean there have been a number of stories this season but one of them really came to to like a head in this match which is the return of the Alba Messi bromance, the the connection between those two. Because of course, when Neymar was playing out on the left, Alba wasn't getting forward as much. He wasn't in, involved with goal scoring as much as he had been before Neymar showed up. But now that Neymar's gone, Alba steps into that role, and he and Messi they just they understand each other. And this was the match where it really came together so clearly, and everything crystallized right. So that first goal, absolutely. The over-the-top through ball from Iniesta to Alba, for me, was also a thing of beauty. But then just like the the cross in from Alba, Suarez letting it run for Messi, and even the goalkeeper getting a hand on it couldn't keep it from going in. Exactly, and it's just, you know, it's this chemistry of knowing where the position of your fellow teammates going to be and place the ball, you know. Alba knows where Messi's always going to be cutting through the middle now, and so he just puts it in that zone. I think also now that, you know, Barcelona's kind of using this weird 4-4-2, 4-3-3 hybrid type of thing, it allows Alba more space, you know, especially since we don't have that kind of Neymar position. So now Alba is filling that position, and with his speed and our defensive ability, he's not a liability when he goes up, you know what I'm saying? So... Man, he's just having such a great season with his assist, and now and he, also he's scoring goals as well. Yeah, I mean the the goal assisted by Messi now this time. So again, you know it was the forward ball cross field. I mean, unbelievable the way how Messi saw that. You believe it because it's Messi, but otherwise it's in it, it's unbelievable. And then Alba even slipping to ground with kind of a half volley finish, still getting it through. It was incredible. Yeah, the video I posted on Facebook with the from the sports show in Madrid has a really great graphic of the through ball, like how it goes through everyone, you know. And it's it's incredible how Messi picks the perfect pace for the ball, the perfect height, and he knows exactly if Alba is going to get there or not, right? Because maybe another guy doesn't get to it, you know, because it's too far ahead. Messi's like the matrix. He knows exactly the angles, the passing lanes. It's it's incredible. You know, like we always talk about with this this um, comparison with Ronaldo and Messi, this is something that Messi's game is so far superior to Ronaldo's is his ability to see passing lanes and put the ball where it needs to and set up his teammates. Again, Alba slipping, I think that helped with the scoring a little bit. But again, Alba with a goal. He again, he had a two assists and a goal, so an incredible match from Alba. Yeah, and of course there was the second goal with 
that Alba also assisted Messi on. And Messi's run in on receiving the pass from Gomes, that was absolutely masterful. I mean, what can, I mean, this this is like, you know, if we if we look at this like DVD of the season, you know what I'm saying? Like if we if we make a DVD of the season, this is the type of half that I think, you know, would highlight hopefully the best that's yet to come and the potential of what our team can be both defensively and attacking. Because again, Celta had some opportunities, but again, we were fine. We get we posted another shutout. Again, another shutout, Brian, which is incredible compared to like the last two seasons where I, you could have seen this game maybe a 5-2 result. You know what I'm saying? Something like this. And now this is just this is everything combined. Val Green's tactics, our attacking, our defense, and everyone knowing where to go. Ooh, baby, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, you know, I uh, I wanted to check the stats on the possession because, of course, in the first leg, as we know, uh, the Celta actually had more possession than Barcelona, and you know that's that's um, that's fine. You know, you don't win games by just having the ball more. I understand this. You know, you want to have the ball so that you can play with it, so you can do something with it. But but I, I just wanted to check this. So, like at halftime of this second leg match, Barca had 72% of the ball, right? Because you could tell they were just doing so much more pressing. They were pressing so much more and really trying to get the ball back quickly and it paid off. And then ultimately in full time, they wound up with 61% of the possession. And of course, again, possession isn't everything, but that's something that they, I think, really took on as a project in this match was to press hard and, and get the ball back. Yeah, that's a good point, you know. And, again, the first leg when they played at Celta, you knew it was going to be a tough match. And, you know, that's pretty close to 50-50, right, the possession stat. But the second leg, the first half, that's incredible. 72. I mean, they were just doing whatever they wanted to do. But also it goes to their pressing. And I have here in the notes, right, like Val Green just shows from match to match how he adapts to the different situations, which is absolutely fantastic. Like in comparison to Zidane right now, right, Val Green – against Celta away didn't press as much but at home he knew we were going to field a stronger team and the pressing you know led to Luis Suarez's goal you know what I'm saying so again it's just putting the match out of the way in the first half is incredible especially going up four nothing at halftime you know I thought this match was going to be a little bit tighter and we just we we rolled man we rolled oh yeah we steamrolled them so who was your man of the match? Yeah, so my man of the match, other than Messi, was the squirrel. <laughs> I mean, he, he was he was masterclass. So Jordi Alba, for me, just had, you know, I would say his best game of the season, you know, especially with the two assists statistically and uh, the goal, obviously. Um, but he was all over. I, I went on to the fcbarcelona.com to look at the statistics and his heat map. Woo, it was, it was red hot, man, red hot on that <laughs> left flank, man. And there was just like uh, steam trails left or chemtrails left over there, you know, just he was all <laughs> over. And like we talked about him and Messi just having that undeniable connection better than DiCaprio and Winslet and Titanic. And statistically, I mean, he was involved in a lot of plays. He had 112 touches, 95 total passes, 88 percent passing accuracy. And of all the duels that came his way, he won all of them. So, I mean, how can you argue with that? Right. Like that's just that's that's masterclass left back, you know, playing against Celta in the Copa del Rey match. And for me, that was just very impressive. I mean, what can you say about the, the little squirrel this season? No, absolutely. I mean, aside from Messi, Albo really was the man in this match. So you've got him. 
I would pick him too as my man of the match, honestly. But just for the sake of a conversation, let's also talk about Dembele, right? Because he came on for Messi in the 59th minute, and he is really starting to light things up. You know, if we look only at results in this match, he did send in the corner kick that Rakitic put away for the fifth goal. He was also involved in the play that got the corner the minute before that. So there was that. But there's that uh, earlier on, there was that dribble that he made downfield. He wound up taking the shot, and it was blocked. And and, and maybe, you know, that dribble was a little bit, or his attempt to, to, to score was a little selfish. He he did have an easy pass somewhere else. But the dribble was fun to watch and to see how he moves to avoid defenders. I mean, in his first couple games earlier in the season, before his injury, he would seemed, I don't know, maybe a little nervous. And then he got injured. And now having played some minutes where he was still kind of getting back into the swing of things. This was the first time I think we really saw what this kid is capable of. And not only is he effective, but he is really fun to watch. I'm really enjoying watching Dembele play. Yeah. I mean, what can you say about that move that he did where he, like, passed it to himself through the guy's legs? I mean, what? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I just didn't realize that... He had these moves upon moves upon moves type of thing, you know? But, yeah, I mean, how can you not get excited? And this was just, like, he only played, what, like 20 minutes, if that? Like, he... Yeah, 30. I mean, yeah, he came in and everyone was super excited to see him, especially to see the moves that he did. Man, he kind of, and and I know this is like, you know, I'm going to, you know, this is not like, I'm not trying to make a hot take here, but... He reminded, he reminded me a little bit of Thierry Henry. Like, the way he kind of floats with the ball, you know, and the way he kind of attacks the defender reminds me a lot of Henry back when he was in Arsenal. Like, the way he kind of he kind of darts in and then takes it outside. And, yeah, I mean, again, this is like we just got a new player in the winter transfer window. You know, we're, we're, we have Dembele. Like, and this guy's only 20, what is he, 21 years old? 20, 21, like, yeah. Yeah, 21 years old. The way Val Green is going to, you know, slowly put him into the matches and get more playing time for him, he's just going to get more confidence. And it's, wow, it's it's going to be really exciting with him there, with your boy Sergio Roberto over there, with Messi. It's just going to be, the defense won't know who to cover or where to go. Yeah, and he's, he's, just, he's just so fun to watch. I, I'm loving it. So there's that. Yeah, I think it's a good choice for for your man of the match because, again, uh, he was super exciting. The only thing that was missing was for him to score a goal, and everyone was trying for him to, you know, wanting him to score the goal. It'll come. It'll come. And I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to have some spectacular goals in his CV going forward for Barcelona. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure if he's officially my man of the match for this. I think I would still have to go with Alba. I just wanted to talk about him also. He's on the rise. His stock is, is going up for sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, look, at, look at our team now. It's like we can do a 4-4-2, a 4-3-3, you know, a 6-6-3-2-1. I don't know. <laughs> it's just like we have, all, <laughs> we, have, we, have, we have all this depth now and flexibility Going forward, these other teams won't know what Val Green's preferences are, you know, because he can change. And that gives us a distinct advantage going forward, especially in the Champions League run that's coming up. Yes, the champions. My favorite song, you know. Yeah, yeah that's right. 
And, you know, I thought that this Salta match was impressive, but the Sociedad match, the league match on sat- on Sunday, we're recording now um, just after the match has ended, and I got to say, like, that was that was incredible to me. It really was. They came back from a 2 nothing deficit to win 4-2, to two. And I mean, we're gonna we're gonna go through all of it, but just an incredible uh, display from Barcelona. So first off, the lineup. Let's just talk about the lineup. It, it pretty much didn't pull any punches. Um, you know, Semedo was not in the squad at all. He had tonsillitis, so Sergio Roberto uh, pretty much knew he was going to be playing the full ninety and right back. Uh, Gomes, Rakitic, Biscuits, and Polly in the midfield. Messi Suarez up front, and of course, you know, the the big guys, Vermeulen and PK in the center, and of course, the squirrel on left back. So the lineup not pulling any punches at all. Yeah, and, and you know, when I was on Twitter before the game, seeing the lineup, everyone was commenting, you know, we're going a little bit more conservative, especially knowing how difficult it is to play in the Anoeta. The only thing I didn't like from the get go was the Gomes uh, starting, because, you know, if we have Pauly there, we kind of already have the brawn up there you know we already have the physicality of there we kind of need another you know midfielder that can hold the ball make good passes make good decisions and that's not really in Gomes's game right so from the get-go I was nervous just because with Pauly there and Rakitic you know Rakitic is a solid midfielder but he doesn't when I think of him I'd rather have Sergio Roberto in the midfield you know what I'm saying like between the two so I would have rather had even Dennis Suarez start. I think that would have been a really interesting dynamic with him in there. But again, he start, he picked Gomes. And as people noted on Twitter, does Gomes have nude photos of Val Green or something? Why? <laughs> you know, how did he get the start? You know, but yeah. So those were the, you know, the comments on Twitter. And that, that was the big surprise for me was Gomes getting the start. Yeah. And another notable omission from the squad again was uh, no Delufeu. Deuces not in the squad. So the rumors I've seen are connecting Deuces with Napoli at this point. Yeah. Again, you know, this is just Val Green not having faith in Deuces. And it just looks like the rumors are going to be true that Deuces will be finding an Italian team to play for the second half of the season. Yeah. Well, much like the Arda Turan situation, that's probably better for everyone because then Deuces will play more. We won't have him on our uh, wage sheet and everything. Everyone wins. Exactly. He gets some playing time. And more importantly, you know, we if we can get rid of that wage as well, all the better. Now, there are a couple of really notable things about this match, uh, the Sociedad match. So uh, Barcelona have not won at the Anoeta in more than a decade, right, since Ronaldinho was on the team. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And it just goes to show that this is just a place that uh, Barcelona just has, you know, a super difficult time playing. And it's just the weather, um, the way Sociedad plays them. Again, like I mentioned earlier, Sociedad treats this like their Super Bowl. So they really get up for this match, especially at the Anoeta. They know they have a really distinct home field advantage. And, you know, more than five games in a row that Barcelona have not won, that's more than a streak, you know. And so that was more than 10 matches. And so, again, Sociedad always plays them tough. Ever, ever since I've been here in Spain, I've always remembered these games as always being tough. And, again, this game was no different from the start. Yeah, and this Sociedad team, man, they looked really fierce because – you know, they're led by Eusebio Sacristan, a former Cruyff Dream Team player. Yeah, and, you know, like I mentioned too, you know, this type of field, right, with the slick conditions, the rain, it suits Sociedad. They're built 
for this type of weather, whereas Barcelona is not, right? We're not built for this slick type of surface. Obviously, we can adapt to it eventually, but you can just see Sociedad was like, they were almost like ice skating out there. You know what I'm saying? They were so comfortable on the ball. They were passing perfectly. They they had the perfect uh, crosses going in, and it just looked like we were sleepwalking out there. But Sociedad, you know, they they took it to us in the first 20 minutes. I mean, they they had so many opportunities. And again, it just looked like... It just reminds me that Sociedad is just built for this these type of weather conditions, and you know they proved it at the beginning. Especially, just you know they could have been up three nothing. Yeah, and it wasn't just rainy; it was really rainy. It was really wet, especially in that second half. Man, it it just looked miserable. I doubt anyone wanted to be out there. Yeah, this is the type of game where you're just like looking at the clock, and you're just like, oh my god, we have forty five minutes left. Oh my god, we have thirty minutes left. Oh my God, I have to head the ball. Oh no. You know, it's like one of those games you just want to like get it done with and go into the locker room just because it was cold. I mean, you just looked at their faces. They looked miserable out there. You know, it's a lot different when it's rainy and warm, but when it's rainy and cold like that, it's just no one wants to play out there. All right. So let's get into some of our favorite plays of this match. I mean, it had the game had a lot of goals, but it also had a lot of other plays that I was interested in. But let's focus in on the goals, right? So, of course, the first one in the 11th minute was from Sociedad. Willian Jose, he just looked really, really fierce, particularly in the first half of this match. Yeah, I mean, he was putting a lot of pressure on your boy, Sergi. You know, uh, Sergi, I don't know if he wasn't mm, used to man-marking him or PK wasn't marking him as well in the first half, but he was shaking free a lot, you know, especially on those headers. And on this goal, um, Sergi kind of didn't feel his back. He didn't feel that there was someone behind him. He went with PK to kind of double cover the guy in the middle. And then Will and Jose had the open uh, header and he made the best of his chance. And also Ter Stegen almost made a save, which was crazy on that. But uh, Will and Jose made a nice header. But really, for me, it was the cross. It was just such a beautiful cross. It skipped over everyone, landed perfectly to Will and Jose, who was wide open, for that split second and he made the best of his chance yeah and i mean from the angle that i that we had watching it on tv it seemed like a really deceptive cross it really looked like it was going to fall more in the center but it just sort of floated a little bit further for for william jose and this is the type of game where you maybe you know at the beginning of the match eusebio as the as the manager of sociedad's like we just have to put these crosses in there often and see what happens if we get lucky with one. And because from the get-go, they were just crossing left and right and left and right. And, you know, we were getting mixed up, you know, because of just with the conditions and their tactics of trying to cross. And they were able to get the first goal of the match. Yeah, well, and the second goal in the 34th minute. I mean, I got to say, you know, I've had my eye sort of peripherally on Sergio Canales for a long time because he was coming up. Um, right when I first started watching football in 2010, uh, and he he was playing for Real Madrid, but I still had kind of an eye on him. I thought he looked really good. And, you know, his career, he's had some injury problems that didn't quite go the way that he would have hoped, I'm sure. But, you know, in recent years, he's, I think, done really well at Sociedad. And uh, they were just tearing Barcelona apart in front of goal in that first half. So he, he got a really good run in, essentially on, uh, you know, pretty much totally open and then his shot took that little deflection and it went in yeah i mean in the first you know i want to say like 30 to 35 minutes sociedad found a lot of gaps between barca's defense and midfield and 
they were slow to cover. Busquets kind of looked a little slow. Rakitic, especially Gomes on that left side, they just they just looked slow, right? And Sociedad was able to exploit those. And on that second goal, that's what happened. They got a nice through ball. Canales came through, and it got a deflection off Sergi. Again, Sergi was a little bit late on the play. But again, just really good buildup from Sociedad from the beginning. And again, like we said, like they came swinging. You know, they came with the uppercuts to try to knock us out. You know, sooner than later. But again, this is a ten round fight, right? So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta keep the jabs and you gotta keep the hooks. You can't just keep doing uppercuts. And you know, like I, I have this great quote from Twitter right here from Gen FCB. You know. Um, you know, we were we were chatting during the match and I was kind of like, oh, gosh, two nothing. This is going to be really hard to come back from. But again, the team didn't panic. Uh, the quote that this person has from Twitter is just Valverde's man ma- match management has been excellent throughout the season. People say teams look like their coaches. I think that applies here. His Barca don't panic. Don't rush. If things aren't going well, they know they'll find a solution. Impeccable first half of the Liga season. So, again, I was nervous just because 2 nothing is such a, you know, it's not insurmountable, but it was not looking good. And when we got the next goal from Pauly's big toe, I was, starting, I was starting to feel pretty pretty good because getting that goal back right before half, like we were, we were chatting, as long as we can get to halftime with like a 2-1 to one and not concede any more goals, I thought we were going to be able to turn it around. Yeah, and what's really crazy, though, is, you know, knowing that how hard it is for Barcelona to win in the Anoeta at all, let alone come back from a two-goal deficit. I, I, you know, I was just as nervous as you, but I think I totally agree with Jen FCB. You know, she she knows what's up. It, Valverde is the man. We totally, like, have faith in him. And sure enough, we got that first goal, 39-minute with Pauly. And what's great about it is that Suarez stayed onside, got a really good ball in from Alba, and then Suarez just crossed it to Pauly, doing what he does, making his box-to-box runs, following the play all the way down, and he was just in the open space. And again, his big toe was the difference maker, as it often is. Exactly, and he, you know, like, it's almost like a basketball move where he kept the defender on his back and didn't let the defender do anything, you know? He was able to use his leg, stride, slide, and use his toe to get the goal, and the defender had no opportunity because Pauly's so big and physical. So a really great play by Pauly. But again, once we got that goal, all of a sudden I was like, okay, I think we're going to be okay. As long as we get to halftime, I think Val Green will be able to make the adjustments and you know, close those gaps between the defense and the midfield, and we might have a chance. But I don't know if you're, you know, you were listening to the BN feed, so was I, that Phil Shane said that it had been 88 years or something since uh, Barcelona was able to come back from a 2 nothing deficit or something. So not only did we have this curse recently, but it's like a lifetime curse of trying to come back. However, you know, we get to halftime 2-1, to one and Val Green just makes the necessary adjustments again, and we come out on fire, basically. Yeah, and I mean, of course, there's still another entire half of the league schedule to play. So, of course, we don't we don't want to jinx anything. But so far, for a first half of the league, this has been, this has been historic. Exactly, and you know, it just goes back to you know, as we talked about, you know, your love for the four three three, your nostalgic for the four three three. But you know, we've seen that we've had to adapt with the players that we use in certain situations. We started with the four four two today, and you know. Val Green was able to make the adjustments at halftime again. We were calm. We figured out what Sociedad was doing. And basically the second half of the game, 
Sociedad really had few opportunities to score, and we were able to lock them down. Yeah, and this is actually a match I would point to for anyone who thinks that Barcelona has to play a 4-3-3 to like stay true to its philosophy. I would show them this match. Like, Did they at any moment not look like Barcelona? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? I mean, the problem is with our midfield today, we were unable to possess the ball. Like you have here... At the halftime, Real Sociedad had the possession of 53% to 47 So again, that just means that there was a lot of back and forth. But you expect that in this type of match because of the weather, right? That's, that's just what's going to happen. But again, it's how we make those adjustments at halftime. And I was curious to see if he was going to make any substitutions, especially to see if he was going to take Gomes out sooner than later. But he didn't. He went with the same lineup, but he just tightened it up and gave him some better information. And they were able to come out, and we were able to score a goal in the 50th minute, which was incredible goal. Oh, God, yes, it was. Now, as far as the um, the, the possession stats go, even at full-time, it still wound up being pretty much 50-50. You know, and, like, even shots on target, it was, like, 6-5 to five in Sociedad's favor. So, so on every statistical angle, it was a very, very close match. And, of course, as, as far as the scoreline goes, you know, it was touch and go. But we wound up in the second half really, really coming back. And that 50-minute goal by Suarez, I mean, you know, Sergi starts the play to Messi, Messi out to Suarez, and the finish, I can't even understand that finish. It was absolute perfection, you know, and he stalled his run. He checked his run to make sure he would be onside for the, for the ball from Messi, but then he just floated it into the top corner. It was so clinical and perfect. Yeah, I mean, and he was almost offside, right? But Messi saw him and didn't give him the pass. Again, Messi knows... He knows everything on the field, right? So he's like, yeah, Suarez is offside right now. I'm not going to pass him the ball. But when he passed it, you know, this is almost like playground football, like where you just hit that shot like that, hoping that it's going to go in, and if it goes in, great. But again, Suarez has the balls to do it in a La Liga match, right? And when Suarez does these type of goals where he doesn't think and it's all instinct – that just shows to me that he's really riding high on confidence because he used to do these type of goals in Liverpool all the time. And so this goal was just an absolute golasso, just an absolute golasso. Yeah, I, <laughs> Megan was in the other room doing some things. She comes in. She's like, did something happen? Because I, I let out a scream when it happened. And she's like, did something good happen? I'm like, oh, golasso. And she's like, is that a player? I'm like, no, that's a kind of goal. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a super golasso because, you know, to open your hips like that, especially in these conditions, the way he was able to angle it. And the keeper was not expecting it at all. And that's the thing, right? The keeper was just flat-footed and just was like, oh, if that goes in, oh, good. It's in. It's 2-2. Two to two. Yeah, exactly. Now, the next goal, also from Suarez, so he got two goals today. I mean, it was a bad clearance by Ruli, the uh, goalkeeper, but then a really great header by Tommy V. You know, not just a clearance header, but a really directed header. Uh, and Suarez, again, onside. Messi was more central, but in an offside position. Suarez was out left, but onside. And he went into the space. He, he saw it, and he was there to poach. Yeah, I mean, it was a really great clearance kind of pass header from Vermaelen. Again, Vermaelen just he had another solid game today. Playing solid, um, you know, again, he's just growing in confidence. And that header was, it had super pace on it, and Suarez was able to poach it. And he used Messi as a decoy because the keeper thought he was going to pass it to Messi, which opened the near post, and Suarez just hit it. And it was just, as soon as he hit that goal, I was just like, we're winning this match. Like, I knew, because obviously we were winning, but at the same time, I was like, 
I could just see the tide changing. You know what I'm saying? Like as soon as Suarez hit his first goal, the way we were playing, the way we kind of shirt up those holes from the defense, the midfield, I knew we were going to have a shot at winning, at least getting a point when we tied the game. But when he scored the the third goal with that poacher's goal, it was just I knew it was we really had a great shot of coming back and getting this victory. Yeah, I felt much better at that moment. And and then the last goal, Messi's goal in the 85th minute on the free kick. I mean, Rui didn't even move. <laughs> it swung in like a guided missile, the way it cleared the jumping wall and then again floated into the top corner. And I, that's what I said. That's that's been that's the theme of this weekend. These, these shots that just float into the top corner. We've seen three of them this weekend. One from Suarez, one from Messi, and then one from Vicky Losada in the feminine match. Yeah, I mean this thing. I mean, where, where do we start? Like, like I tweeted out, we have Messi, and you don't get over it. Like it's the best. And the other thing too, I want him to kind of do now is when he does, especially in this moment, right? He scores his goal. It's like you said, a guided missile. The conditions that he did it, like the way he got the top spin over the wall, and it wasn't like it was a close range shot either. You know, you would think the keeper would be able to react to see the ball, but it just kind of, I saw like six different, not six, but maybe four different angles of this goal, and it's just crazy. The ball just comes out of nowhere, right? And it's top corner. I want him to start doing, I don't know if you remember, um, when Vince Carter won the slam dunk contest, I don't, this is kind of going back, but he did kind of like this, it's over, like gesture, you know what I'm saying? Like, because <laughs> Vince Carter basically got a 50 on this dunk that was ridiculous. And so when he finished the dunk, he just turns to the camera and he just like does, it's over. So I wish Messi would just do that because as soon as he hit that, you know, that was game set, Guillermo, that was over. You know, it was, we got the game, we break the curse, 19 points over Madrid. Perfect season so far. Unreal. Yeah, that would be a nice gesture for him to make. But, you know, he's also, he's a, he's a humble man. He wouldn't do such a thing. I know, but it would still be awesome to do that. <laughs> it would be. All right, well, let's, uh, let's finish this up with man of the match. Who's your man of the match? I mean, we, we both have the same man of the match. It's, it's Suarez. But I have here in my notes, right? I had Andres Gomes. False. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> Andres, first of all, let's talk about, can I, just really quick, Andres Gomes. We we were talking about in the Celta match and like some other matches, like he was doing okay, but today like he just drew me crazy. Like he didn't do anything again. He was just so vanilla. Like he can't. He wasn't a spark, and that's the reason why I don't want to see him. I'd rather see Denis Suarez. At least there's a little bit of you know. Since Denis is young, you kind of just you're like, okay, he has potential. But Andres Gomez doesn't do anything for me. Anyway, Suarez is. Oh, well, actually, let me cut in real quick because we did have. Um... We got something from Zach Attack 14 on Instagram about this. He he asked me if I had heard Phil Shane throw shade on on Gomes when he said he hasn't done anything wrong and hasn't done anything at all. Yeah, exactly. That's that's such a great Phil Shane and Ray Hudson, they're the best, man. They're they're the best by far English commentating on football out there. I mean, they're the best. They have such good chemistry and yes, I mean, throwing shade on players Hudson singing about Coutinho last time, right, with the Barca anthem. Like, it's just magic, <laughs> yeah. right? Again, uh, Andres Gomes, I don't know. He should just play Copa del Rey matches or I don't know. But my, my like we said, my man of the match, other than Messi, Suarez, I think, again, he had two crucial goals, especially with the game winner. That's the poaching goal. He said, you know, he didn't have any offsides, to, or maybe he had one or two. He, he's been doing much better on that lately. Did he have any offsides? He had zero offsides. Oh, my gosh. 
I can't believe it. Drinks for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) But on the other hand, you know, you can also see how maybe he was so preoccupied with staying on side that maybe uh, he wasn't doing the thing uh, that, you know, that tactical strategic thing where, you, you know, you do try and pull the defense more and sometimes you're offside. So. It's a it's a decision you got to make. Yeah, but I, you know, I'd rather have him onside and not break up the play and the flow of the attack. You know, in the second half too, he was pressing a little bit more on defense as well. I think that was a tactical adjustment that came up that they were pressing a little bit more on Sociedad's defense. And again, Suarez has had a really great game. Two goals. What can you say? The first one and I, I, one of the best goals of the season by far. Yeah, I mean, just so beautifully struck and the. The placement was absolutely majestic. Yeah, I mean, like, I just love the way Hudson says, Suarezito, you know, it's just, it was just a beautiful match. And even my, my really good friend Luis, who's a fellow Barca fan, he loathes Luis Suarez just because of the whole biting thing from the World Cup and all that stuff. He even didn't watch Barca games for a year. That's how much he boycotted the Luis Suarez signing, okay? And he even yeah. texted me and said, like finally Luis Suarez I'm on his wagon and I was like wow I can't believe that happened right yeah so if if he's able to change my friend Luis to be in his corner I mean that should just tell you that he was definitely the man of the match other than Messi yeah and you know the story with Suarez this year you know he's he hasn't been doing so great but last few matches couple few matches he's really stepped up uh, with particularly his positioning and his touch and in this game they were both and his finishing of course were all 100% on point and it reminds me of when he first came to the club because it took him some time to get his feet when he first arrived but once he did he was absolutely fierce and maybe because we've talked about this also you know maybe the changes that Val Green has been making were tough for him to adapt to but I think that maybe he has now really kind of figured it out. He's done the adaptation. He's done some great work on those things, positioning and touch particularly, to get back to what we know he can do. Yeah, it's a good point. And I totally agree with that because I think maybe Val Green was asking him to do certain things differently. You know, and who knows what those things were. You know, We're not privy to those things in the meeting. But again, Suarez is back on form, and he's been back on form for the last couple of weeks, you know, leading into the Clasico, and that's just going to help us. You know, when Messi and Suarez are clicking like that, and then we have a contribution from Pauly's big toe, I mean, look out world, right? Like, here we come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and now finally, an honorable mention, I think, is in order for Vermaelen, because not just because of his assist on that Suarez goal, where he you know headed it back into space, but also defensively, he did a lot of good work today. Yeah, and especially since it wasn't PK's best game today, right? Like PK kind of looked, he kind of just looked disinterested, you know. And Vermalen was able to hold the fort down a little bit. I mean, obviously they they let the two goals in the beginning, but from that point on, when they made the adjustments in the second half, like he looked spot on. He was in control. And he just looks, you know, with every game, he just looks more confident, you know. And you can just see it around him that the players are confident with his ability. And again, really great game for him. You know, obviously the first 20 minutes, not the greatest. But from that point on, he he did a really great job. And especially that header assist. What can you say? Right. So hand it to Tommy V for that one. All right. Now, also, uh, the schedule is lightening up for at least one week. Looking ahead, there's just the one match in La Liga against Betis that will be played in Benito Villamarín in Sevilla. 
So what do you, what do we have to say here? Betis lost uh, two nothing in their last meeting with Barcelona. That was match day one at the Camp Nou. Now we're going to Sevilla. You know, what's the stadium uh, like? What's the pitch like? The pitch is a, it's actually a little, it's narrower than the Camp Nou, but it is a touch longer. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting environment, especially since Betis is riding high from beating Sevilla in their last um, match. Betis was kind of uh, Sevilla's kind of, uh, you know, redheaded stepchild, you know, like they were always getting beaten down and Betis had a really big victory against them. It was quite funny because in the news, there's a there's a famous player in Betis, Joaquin, who's been on the team forever. And they were interviewing him after the match. And he's like, if any player comes home before 5 a.m., they are getting off the team. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how big of a deal. Yeah. So that's how big of a deal the, the, the Sevillan derby was for Betis. Betis is a very average team, right? Like they're right in the middle of the table. They'll have a couple of victories there, but they're definitely tough at home. And they have a really strong home crowd. And especially they'll be up for this match against Barcelona because, again, this is going to be like their Super Bowl. They'll be up for it. Um, again, we'll see what happens. I, you know, going forward now, I have complete confidence with Val Green's lineups, especially away from home. He goes more defensive. And so that'll keep us in matches and not give these early goals as much. But I see here you're, you are interested in seeing Teo. For Betis. Yeah, well, I mean, whenever we uh, do our previews, we like to talk about a player to watch. And the one I'm going to be watching myself is Teo because he used to play for Barca. But he's really not the team's biggest threat on goal or anything. You know, he's had three goals, made three assists in over 1,000 minutes played. Um, but their top scorer, Sanabria, has seven goals. You know, he would be someone else to watch. But I'm going to be looking at Teo, assuming he plays. Yeah, assuming he plays. I think it's a good choice because, you know, you're always just kind of interested in seeing how these former Barca players are doing. But again, I, for me, I'm, I think that Barcelona are going to get the points. It's a difficult place to play, but I just think the way we're playing recently and the way Val Green has uh, organized our defense, I think we should be able to get some points out of this match. Which player are you going to be watching from Betis? I'll be watching Teo, too, because if he starts, you know, um, there isn't really any other players I'm really interested in. If Joaquin plays, I definitely like Joaquin. He's a very charismatic player, not afraid to talk in the press. Um, And so I'll be watching him, uh, Joaquin, if he plays. But more importantly, Teo, I think, as well. Barca Talk is written by Gabriel Quiroga and myself, Brian Henderson. The show is edited by Brian Henderson, and the music is also by Brian Henderson. Gabriel Quiroga is our promotion and social media manager, which means this is a two-man show. Go ahead and be a part of it. Give us your comments, questions, topics you'd like us to discuss. Visit barsatalk.net and find the contact page or one of our social media channels. And if you want to support the show, click on the support tab at barsatalk.net to do that. Remember to subscribe, rate, review, and spread the word about Barca Talk. Until next week, I'm Brian Henderson. I'm Gabriel Quiroga. And this is Barca Talk. Thanks for listening. Visca Barca. Visca Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. 
It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.